Meeting the people in your community. Here's Lisa Kay with Talk of the Town. We are back on Talk of the Town. I never know where uh, these conversations are going to lead. Brad Ammerman back in studio. Uh, make sure the mics are pulled up right in front of your faces. I need you about an inch away from those because I said I got to turn the mic on and we just got to talk. Uh, and our ethical hacker back in studio with us. People really liked our, our initial episode where they got to meet you and uh, no, learn a little bit about No, they did. Yeah, I had they really? people like... That was really cool. I didn't know that there were people like that in town. Remind us what it is that you do. Ethical hacker, technically the director of about, I want to say, 25 to 30 ethical hackers. So my team just breaks into banks. They break into banks, but legally, like they're asked to. The bank says pretty much, tell us where the leaks are. Tell us where we're weak. And you go in and you find it and you tell them. Always ethical. We get in all the time, and it's sad. (laughs) If only your users knew how vulnerable these banks were. And that's why we're talking to you today. You brought a guest in. Who did you bring? This is one of my old students and former employee, Mike Headland. He is a senior penetration tester for a company down in Iowa, and I want to talk about breaches and how they happen and the impacts and. He's one that causes them, so I wanted to bring him in. Ethically. Okay. <laughs> How do you ethically cause a breach, Mike? So my primary job is to work with a company and test their security measures. So I assume the role of the threat actor, of the bad guy, and essentially I try in my own ways, in ways that th- common threat actors use, to try and gain access or take over a company um, the exact same way a common threat actor would do. This is just so, I know people out there are going, what is going, people do this for a living? Yeah, absolutely, to keep us safe. Um, and I think that when we're talking about breaches, I think the, the most recent one in the news that everybody's been hearing about is the one in Vegas. Yeah, MGM, Caesars, they all got hit pretty bad. What uh, happened? A phone call. Really? That's all it took. Social really? engineering. Okay, explain. Explain to those of us that have no idea. Some 19-year-old kid calls the help desk, pretends, you know, he's X, Y, and Z, needs his access changed or to get the password, logs in, and that's it. Once you're in, you have access to a plethora of data that you can encrypt and then hold them ransom. I mean, with what me and Mike used to do, I don't do it anymore, but... You'd get access to their Active Directory and get all the keys to the kingdom, so the usernames and passwords, you know, all of it. So in this case, with the casinos, it is a lot of, I I read that they were uh, gaining access to things like, you know, if you sit down at a slot machine and you slide that little card in there, you're a frequent gambler. I don't even know what those cards are, but all your access information is on there. So they gain access to things like that. Oh, yeah. By the thousands and thousands and thousands. And then what do they do with it? Sell it. To who? Uh, if you're if you're harvesting credit cards, there's a market for them on the, on the black market. So you can go on and buy somebody else's credit card. It's used for mostly common thievery, but... Yeah, identity theft. I hate the term, but the dark web. The dark web? Yeah, you can you sell it there for... And it's, it's pennies. Oh. pennies like 10 credit cards is maybe a penny and then all of a sudden you get your statement and you're like where i didn't charge that there how, potentially how, how mm-hmm. do i owe this much money identity theft is huge what other kind of information are they using and why i mean hipaa okay like your healthcare. Mm-hmm. um the credit cards or the pci data uh what was one of the main ones well what do you usually 
attack? Um, depends on the organization that I'm targeting. Um, healthcare is obviously a, a big risk. Um, so healthcare information is heavily protected, financial information, things like your bank accounts, your uh, wire transfers, anything that has to do with money or a piece of information that could gain you money. Most threat actors are doing this because they are out to make money. Mm-hmm. So any type of, you know, if they can get access to your money, then they might just take your account and wire the money out. Um, if they get access to my money, they're not getting access to much money. But if it's something that's tied up with like the casinos, how mm-hmm. does that differ from like them just coming after me as an individual rather than all of the people that have slid their cards into the little slot machines? The good thing is, is a lot of those cards are just going to have your PII. It's your personal identifiable information. Okay. You know, things like that. It probably isn't attributed to like a credit card or anything like that. Right. But even your personal information is worth money on the dark web. Like I don't want people knowing my name and email address yeah. or phone number or anything like that. Well, uh, honestly, I said this years ago, but uh, that one, two, three and me or ancestry.com, those uh, DNA mm-hmm. testers, mm-hmm. that's going to be another target here soon is oh. the DNA records of people. Really? So oh. everybody that's spitting in a bag and sending it in, you're, you got to watch out now. They just got to figure out how to monetize it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you can monetize it, there's a business model for it in the in the hacker realm. Now, you mentioned <laughs> ransom. Let's talk a little bit about how that works and, and why that is. And do we, like a kidnapping, do we pay a ransom? Do we? Exa- yeah. So mm-hmm. that's what they'll do. They'll gain access to all this information. If we're talking about the MGM thing, they gain access, the bad guys gain access to the info, and then they send a ransom note? Is that? Uh, email? <laughs> what is that? Like it. It depends on who the threat actor is. Most threat actors have um, their own MO, but oftentimes they'll they'll leave some sort of calling card. They'll send an email. They'll leave, uh, you know, pop ups on a screen, and essentially it is it's a kidnapping of a company's information. So they're taking it. They're either stealing it, and then they're threatening to release it. Um, Companies, uh, healthcare companies. If if somebody leaks all of their patients' records, that's a that's a big no no for mm-hmm. them, and so they can get with hit with fines. Uh, their reputation goes down. It's a huge PR nightmare for the hospital as well as all of the um, all of their patients, and then it becomes a huge legal battle for them afterwards. Um, and so they would tend to pay a ransom, I guess, then in order to save themselves further headache. But what happens then if you pay the ransom and you don't get your info back or, I mean, as a company or what are the, what are the implications to, to that? All it's of a that? gamble, <laughs> right? It it's is. a gamble. I mean, most do give it, give you the keys to decrypt the information, but there's always going to be one or two that don't. Mm-hmm. A lot of the traditional ransomware operators are looking for, you know, they're doing this to make money. It's a job to them. And so if their reputation goes down because they ransomware somebody and then they don't pay or they do pay and then they just don't give the access back, then that means that, you know, the next person that they ransomware is going to be less likely to pay it because well, the previous guy didn't get his stuff back. <laughs> Integrity among thieves. Yeah. Then, mm-hmm. right? That's the best way to say it. 
Wow. Or honor among thieves, honor. integrity. Yeah. I mean, most of these people are just everyday Joes. I mean, okay. Now, granted, not in mainly in the U.S. Or I, I was going to say I don't know everyday Joes that will do this. It but does what, happen I, locally I, here too. Yeah. Oh, we got to talk about that because I mean, I read that the people that that are attacking Las Vegas, the casinos, uh, are between nineteen and twenty-two years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that true? All self-taught too. They go to Google and they learn on their own, and then they become a part of a group. Nico, and... what are you doing at home right now? <laughs> I was just going to say you're, he could be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping not. So, but um, yeah, so young people that are learning how to do this uh, become a danger. How do companies? If MGM can't protect itself, how do? I mean, are you, are you, are the ethical hackers the way that, that we need to go? No, I mean, it's we're one, one, one step yeah. because that's like the, the pretend, you know, we're going in and pretending we're them and showing them what they could, you know, what the impact could be. Mm-hmm. But to me, I'm a big advocate of security awareness training. You got to make your user as smart as you can, because then that limits the types of breaches. But what me and Mike have seen, I mean, there's outdated and vulnerable software hanging out. You've got data that's not encrypted. There's tons of different things that are making a company less secure. Okay. You, it's tons. <laughs> but the biggest attack, like we see, is social engineering. Social engineering. Explain social engineering once again to, to listeners who might not even understand what that is. Everything from... Or I guess social engineering is targeting a the, the human factor. So you're interacting not with the security controls that are in place. You're not operating with the, you know, the computers themselves. You're working and trying to exploit a human being. So whether it's sending them an email, calling them up on the phone, um, all of those fake text messages you get from... Uh, you know, your fake Amazon package, your car UPS, the car warranties, <laughs> all of that is part of social engineering. They're trying to solicit information or gain access. Um, it's, you know, because I do this, I assume the role of a threat actor. I have just picked up the phone and called um, the, you know, the point of contact on one of my target's websites and, you know, they pick up the phone and I say, Hey, I'm your IT department. Give me access, you know, give me remote access to your computer. And, you know, they say, okay. And then they just hand it over. What? One of the greatest ones, me and Mike were down in, uh, I can't remember where we were at, but we were trying to hack a bank and Mike went in to go and, give this whole spiel that we're fake. And he goes, Hey, I'm here for, and the lady just goes, Oh, you're here for the badge system. And Mike's like, yes, I am. And then she (laughs) escorted us everywhere. We were in the vault. We were in the basement, like even unescorted, like just go do your thing. And they didn't bat an eye. And we were in there probably an hour, just messing around. Wow. Yeah. The goal is not to get somebody fired, but to make sure that the companies understand where the breach is. My biggest mm-hmm. thing when I would be negotiating these types of engagements is there is no repercussions towards the people. Okay. I was a big proponent of not giving out the list of the people who let you on in. the link and yeah. let us in. I would just give the metrics. However, I was shot down and told it's the company's data, not my data. Oh. So I 
legally I had to turn that over, but I would always request that in writing there are no repercussions to these users and they just get more training on how to better protect themselves. Right, because I think that's just like a learning opportunity, right? Uh, Brad Ammerman, ethical hacker, and Mike Hedlund is uh, in with us as well today. We're talking a little bit about breaches here on Talk of the Town. Mike, how did you decide, um, I, I know Brad's backstory now, but how did you decide that this is what you were going to do? Uh, <laughs> that's... <I don't> know. <laughs> how much are you going to tell us about how you decided about what you... Uh, decided to do with your life here <laughs> so uh, I don't know I started in college wanting to be an engineer and then kind of bounced around not knowing landed in more of like a software development role and then got an internship where I was given um, some more security related um, tasks and the further I got into it the more I learned about what ethical hacking was that it was and that it even was a job mm -hmm. like i heard oh cool you can hack into companies and get paid to do so and it's legal who doesn't want to do right that, that, that sounds I mean, fun it does sound fun um and so i uh, ended up meeting brad and you know you're in my so, 450 <laughs> class <laughs> yep, he was yep. one of my top <laughs> students and then i hired him well here you go yeah so rest after that is history and so what is one of the best parts about what you do for a living? Is it is it the helping that happens or is it is it the technical, you know, cuz you have to wear two hats, you know, you mm -hmm. have to, like you said you have to play the role you're, you're a threat actor. You said that. Yeah. Um it it is a ton of and fun. And you look so nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's the goal. If I look mean, nobody's just going to hand me their access. <laughs> I know I forgot the question. Well, well, like, well, you know, we're just talking about like the best parts of, of doing your job. I mean, oh, for right. me, like the best part is just being able to f meet other people that do that do cool things. And this is just one of those things. Right. So when yeah. you when you go to work, is there something that you're like, yeah, I'm so I'm so excited to do this every day. Um, yeah. Everything is constantly different. Um, if you're a software developer, you know, speaking from the technical side, like if you're a developer, if you're a system administrator, network admin, um, you're, you know, a lot of that is your, your general IT um, or your maintenance of how a company runs, making sure the laptops stay on, the printers stay fixed, that, you know, everybody can do what they do. Um, and you end up working in a fairly static environment. And, you know, people can get complacent. They, you know, Things happen. Um, and then you I, get breached. Uh, it, it, <laughs> honestly, yeah. That is, you know, uh, training not only from a user's perspective, but from the, the IT side as well is is huge. Um, and it's really fun for me to just drop into different networks to go from, you know, healthcare to education to finance. And everybody's got different structures, different rules that they have to follow, different guidelines, um, you know, where a, a hospital or a finance firm might have tons and tons of money. You know, they might have millions to put towards security and budget. Um, and part of that's their regulated firm. You know, they've been regulated for years. And now that, you know, education, you know, you look at breaches from the last five years and education's been been big mm -hmm. because, you know, they're easier targets. They've got enough 
users, they're they're enough of a target and they haven't previously been targeted because the money was elsewhere yeah. or it was easier. So to they get don't elsewhere. even know. They're they're starting to learn now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but they they are. They are. Um, well, let's do, do people approach both of you like they would a doctor like constantly asking for advice on how do I keep myself safe? No. No. The, what I usually get is will you hack my ex's Facebook? <laughs> oh, that account? kind of stuff. Can you get into my Facebook, my yeah. Netflix? <laughs> I forgot my password to such That's, and such. Can you get me free Roblox uh-huh. or uh, <laughs> You've got some kids. Fortnite yeah. stuff. Uh-huh. Uh to to actually uh, I'll give you an answer to to your question. Uh what my favorite part of the day was yeah. inflating the egos of these IT people that are like my stuff is perfect. And I loved coming in there and just wrecking face and being like, <laughs> you're not as good as you think you are. I always are. say there's something we can learn from everybody, right? There mm-hmm. is. Like whether it's good or bad, there's something that we can learn from everybody. Maybe maybe our egos need a quick check. I mean, I probably have one too uh, because of all the things <laughs> We're I've We're not going to talk about that on your <laughs> show. But, but that, was, that was one of the best moments is when you just, you gain access and you have full control. You're like... This company is mine now. Right. I want to take it over. Yeah. I could cripple it in with one keystroke. And then that ethical part comes in. The ethical the, part yeah. is there. It's, it's I mean, the important there. key. So we've got a couple minutes left. What can you tell me? Um, what would you like to say now to people that are in those areas, maybe working right now, having the radio on, listening to us, or people that are in charge of you know, companies, corporations, hospitals, things like that. What do they need to know uh, in a couple of minutes? I know there's, that's impossible, but where do they start? Educate your users. Yeah, educate okay. your administrators as well. So your your users are your your first defense. You know, those are that's going to be how a threat actor gets in. Mm-hmm. Past that, most of the control goes to the systems and the people watching them, and so. If your system administrators, if your security, or your, if your internal security programs are lacking, then you know it doesn't really matter if you have the best you know purchased tools. You know you can spend as much as you want on tools, but if you don't actually implement them properly, mm. then you know you might as well not have buy it not have purchased them to begin with. One of the biggest things I hear all the time is we're not a target. Why would they want us? Uh And what I would want all your users to know is you are a target. It doesn't matter if you make $10 or $10 million. They want that money. Right. And again, they're opportunists. And if you are the one that slips up and clicks on something you shouldn't be, they're going to get their money. Hmm. So education is huge. Try and be security minded at everything you do, not just at work is another one because not only is the company a target, but the individual is as well. And that's the scary part. Like your grandma is a target right now. Hmm. My my kids, once they hit 18, they're going to be a target. And the, the more educated they are, at least they're a little bit better from a defense in depth standpoint than they were not having any education. I think we live in this strange time right now where we've got, you know, people people like us who grew up uh, essentially you can you, our very young age without computers and 
it's a lot to learn for some oh, it people is. and people mm-hmm. that have never had an interest in learning anything at all. Grandma does not know how to turn the computer on. But the greatest thing is you have the full breadth of knowledge in your back pocket and a nice little search engine called Google. <laughs> so you can easily educate yourself. You just have to have the want and the drive to do it. Mm-hmm. Security is, especially for, you know, this being specific for breaches and defending against breaches or simulating them. A lot of the information is so much more available as far as how to do it, what happens, how to prevent against it. It is so much more open and free than a lot of other industry knowledge. Like it's just there. You talk to anybody who does what I do, who does what Brad does, who's a CISO, who, who manages risk programs they will give you as much information as they want, or at least as much as they have time for. Sure. It's, you know, it's not necessarily trade secrets. And so it's, you know, the information's out there. You just have to go and read it Get and then yourself, do it. Yeah, right. Get yourself educated. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike and Brad are ethical hackers here on Talk of the Town. Always a good conversation. Thank you so much. We'll, uh, what are we going to talk about next time? Don't know. (laughs) We never know until we turn on the microphone. We'll see you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.